Hey everyone, just a reminder that we are recording remotely while we're quarantined, uh, so the sound might be slightly compromised, but hopefully not too bad. Enjoy! Welcome to Feminists Without Mystique, a podcast where we process politics, sex, and the unrelenting firehose of bullshit in the news through an unapologetically feminist lens. Each week we begin by venting about the news, go deep on one important issue, call out terrible things happening below the hop the top headlines in a segment called we see you and then we'll end with something hopeful and just a reminder if you're enjoying us to rate and review us on apple podcasts subscribe tell your friends about us um it really helps us a lot um and it helps other people find us and find these types of conversations um that being said also today um we wanted to put a a trigger warning at the beginning um because we're going to be talking about uh a movie that has a lot of um, sexual violence and trauma. We'll be talking about our own stuff. So if you're um, family or friends of, of ours, um, just like kind of wanted to give you a little heads up off the top that that's going to be coming up. Yes. Um, and uh, yeah. Prepare, yeah, prepare yourselves. And um, we'll mm-hmm. also be briefly discussing the fact that it's Pete Buttigieg's birthday. So again, <laughs> if you are <laughs> you're not ready to hear about issue. if that's a sensitive <laughs> topic for y'all, I get it. <laughs> Here we are, Capricorn season. Some of our least favorite idols are turning another year older. You know, here we are. So happy birthday, Pete. And uh, Dolly Parton, 75. <laughs> Yeah. Way to go. The only yeah. beloved Capricorn I know is Tony yeah. Burton. Yeah. Oh, you know who else's birthday? Um, feminist hot dog, Adrian, our oh, um, yeah. And we love her. Happy we do. birthday. Oh, she all these copy caps. Yeah. <laughs> all us goats goating around town. Love it. Love to see it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I guess uh, you know, out the gate. Um <laughs> We're feeling feelings, I would say. I would describe them as feelings. Um, Correct me if I'm wrong, Mm -hmm. but at least myself, and it sounds like you felt the same way where we we knew we'd feel things, but we were both... surprised with the depth and intensity of feeling entering our bodies today mm-hmm. um it is the 19th tomorrow is the 20th uh because of math and the inauguration is happening and donald trump's audi and we're gonna have just like a fucking empathetic competent human being in the white house <laughs> thank Whew. god it's like I've been God. constipated for four years. Someone just <laughs> threw their finger up my ass and I'm just <laughs> shitting in glee. You know, it's happening. <laughs> it's exactly like that. Is that what it feels like for you too? <laughs> yeah. I mean, the thing is kind of because I remember and we were saying before, I, before we were recording that getting the New York Times push alert that said that Donald Trump was the 45th president of the United States was one of just like the single worst moments in my life. Yeah, I mean, definitely I, the worst push alert. It was the worst push alert I've ever received easily. Um, but that's setting the bar extremely low, but I just remember it did feel like 
descending into a darkness that we haven't come out of. And there have been little bright moments and we've really all fought to appreciate smaller things, fight for the things that we care about. But all of the things that have happened under the Trump presidency, we knew could happen. We saw the the writing on the wall. And that's why when we were weeping election night in 2016, it was with a full comprehension of the, the horror that he could wreak on this country. And he has. Yeah, we weren't weeping because our guy, our people didn't win. Our guy, gal, Hill didn't win. I mean, we were also sad about that, but it was the tears were about a much larger than ourselves uh, loss and fear. You know, it, it's the new going into a Donald Trump presidency, some of what that would entail. Mm-hmm. We didn't know all the, the things he would say and do and just how how atrocious he would be in certain ways. We knew he'd be atrocious and we knew it was going to be bad. And it was just as, if not a million times worse than any of us had thought. Um, and just the, the, the thought and the idea that like, we're, it's actually ending. It's actually mm-hmm. stopping. It's not, we don't have to wake up anymore and wonder like, are we going to have 20 different news articles that on any other year would have been, any individual article would have taken up a week of press time, but because Donald Trump is in charge, they, none of them even get a footnote. Mm -hmm. Um, We don't have to worry so much about just the, about safety in so many different ways Mm -hmm. um, that we can believe that we're going to make progress in civil rights issues across the board, that we're just going to get to a place as a country that we should have already gotten to and maybe we did, but we backtracked from, I mean, there's just, there's so much potential positive um, to come from this in terms Mm -hmm. of not only like words and ideas, but actual legislation and actual policy Mm -hmm. um, that it is glorious. It is glorious to think that we are in a place where we are looking forward and we are seeing an actual like promising, hopeful future mm-hmm. with positive change with Joe Biden. It's just like, okay, girl, like I'm signed <laughs> up. I'm signed up for it. I'm here. Um, it is, it is beautiful. It's like, you know, the end of a day where you just want to take off your bra and take a piss and both are happening <laughs> at the same time. And you're just like, yes, Joe Biden, please. I didn't know you're yeah. who I needed, but you're who I needed this whole time, Joe. <laughs> um, it's, Joe. it's a relief. It's a relief. And just having, I mean, having competent human leadership mm-hmm. during this pandemic when we have this new variation run, scuttling about. Yeah. Um, I am, I am overcome with thankfulness and with feelings and also sadness about all of the people who, I mean, 400,000 people died already from COVID and more will. And, you know, I had some close calls to my family. And even if I hadn't, like, it's just the, the depth of human suffering and loss and on, and the fact that it had been met by so many with a like, you can't make me wear a mask, you know, mm-hmm. just like that exhaustion, that sadness for humanity. Like maybe we can ease up on that a bit um, and just have, again, competent leadership that will allow us to 
to go through this pandemic in a way where we're taking care of one another and listening to science. It's just, it's such a, it's such a relief. And of course, that being said, it's far from over. There's plenty, plenty of awful things going on in the world, but just knowing that we'll have competent leadership and people in charge, not just Biden, but people in the cabinet, people everywhere who are Fauci's back, you know, people who just care about human beings and and science and the best of America and America getting better. It's just I haven't felt a modicum of hopefulness or optimism in so many years. And it is overwhelming in the best way to just feel like there's any kind of hope right now. And I feel that and I haven't felt that and like, oh, thank you. I'm here for it. I totally agree. I think that like, like we were saying it, it really struck, it struck me when someone on Twitter pointed out basically that, um, first of all, that Joe Biden and Kamala Harris, basically like they had that memorial today, uh, for the 400,000 P to mark the 400,000 people who have lost their lives to this pandemic. Um, that there hadn't actually been a memorial um, yet uh, speaks to the lack of leadership that there that we've all been coping with. I mean, we've been a, a, a country without a leader. The void, the moral void, the leadership void, um, the void of anyone who who is tethered to their humanity in any real way, and and any sense of like of guided by some sort of ethical mooring, you know, hasn't, that hasn't been happening in the last four years, but it's been so stark with this pandemic and to listen to the song hallelujah and compare Uh. that to the hallelujah that, um, Kate McKinnon played, um, as Hillary Clinton on SNL after she lost, I mean, the grief in that moment and the, the catharsis, of this song, like bookending this, the Trump, the Trump, these dark moments, these dark, this, this dark four years, like really the, the harm. I mean, I, I feel very, very lucky to that, that his um, tentacles have not directly reached me in the, or killed me or my family in the way that he has with other, with other people. Um, Luckily, you know, I haven't lost anyone, knock on wood, that I I love to the pandemic. I haven't, obviously, like, family separation hasn't affected directly a lot of Americans, but though it's been an absolutely horrific crime against humanity that we have to contend with, um, you know, the way that we've put all these DACA kids and, and dreamers in, uh, like, limbo, legal limbo, um, the judges that have been appointed and shoved through by Mitch McConnell and his Congress at Uh, the expense of absolutely everything else, because there hasn't been much else that's happened at a legislative level, aside from tax breaks for the wealthy. I mean, there has not, we have just, it is a toxic cesspool, this country under Trump. And he has really done great damage to the fabric of the country, to people's faith in democracy. I mean, the, Daily had a really depressing and I would argue completely um, unnecessary uh, episode today. It made me a little upset. I'm sort of, I'm, I think I'm done with us platforming white supremacists and people who are, are 
like part of the crowd that stormed the Capitol. I don't think we need to platform them on the daily like that. I mean, maybe if you must, you can do a little series and stick it at the back of the fucking newspaper. I mean, I don't, I just like, we're done. <laughs> we're done with we're done with this. Um, and so anyway, but the, hearing a lot of these people, the lasting damage that Trump has done, one of the most um, intractable things that's going to be really hard to climb out of is, is the way that he's undermined a lot of people's faith in democracy. And a lot of people have been pushed to a place where they, because he has not really conceded. And I know like, if you're a Republican, you'd be like, he's, he finally did last week once through, it's like, he did not, not really. Yeah, It's like, if you squint, you can see where he conceded because. (laughs) Yeah. Like he didn't. And so there are millions of his followers who are listening to him and to OAN and say, first of all, like one of the people was like, OAN is fair. It was just like, oh my God. I mean, so they're listening to this news network that has been brought on by the radicalization of, of, and the weaponization of, of radical, uh, like, you know, conservatives who are um, just at this point, just like a a group of hate. It's a hate mongering group. Um, And the fact that there are so many people who 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 believe the election was stolen, who so many see this as like an illegitimate presidency, it's really that's going to be a really hard problem to deal with. And all the white supremacists that have not been weeded out because wasn't prioritized on a federal yeah. level. Yeah. What do we what we do with these people is beyond me. We've talked about this, or at least you know I. I've talked about it without any actual conclusions or <laughs> we've definitely thought about it and yeah. I've uh, harped on it, but it's, it's one of those questions where it's like, what is the answer? I mean, this is purely anecdotal, but like in the conversations I have with people who identify that way, i.e. a friend of mine's cousin, it's just like, I will approach what they're saying with like kindness, compassion, civility, and truth. And they'll like quite literally come back and call me a libtard and and say like, well, oh, wow, you're reading, you know, you're reading NPR, you're reading the Washington Post. Well, of course you think that then, you know, you're brainwashed. It's like, well, why don't you and I, I got back and I was like, why don't you um, read different news sources uh, that do and do not agree with your point of view and come back to me? Because if you're right, what does it matter? You know? Yeah. Right. And I will nothing. say like nothing, no. never anything. And this is a person who theoretically would follow up because we have a human connection via their cousin, mm. you know, and it's like, and there's never, it's just this, this deep seated belief that everything that Trump says and that they interpret that he says, and apparently he's speaking to them in Morse code now, um, all of this shit becomes their truth, their reality, and the reasons for storming the Capitol. And then they'll say, oh, it was Antifa who stormed the Capitol. And there is just this, this separation from reality that is so persistent and toxic in a way it's not like bronies who are like oh i'm i love my my little pony and we're gonna run away together it's like you can believe that and no one's hurt you know you can run away with your my little pony and no one is hurt but with these people it's where does it end um i'm afraid it doesn't it feels like that example where people just get more solidified in their own beliefs Mm -hmm. when they are um, confronted with different beliefs And it's scary because we're obviously past the point where it's different beliefs. It's fact versus fiction um, Mm -hmm. to a large degree. And 
a lot of people are not buying fact anymore. Yeah. Um, and this isn't going to be something that just, it doesn't just go away. Right. <laughs> you know, it never just goes away. It's going to be there. Um, and how these people act out and how these people exist in their daily lives will, you know, we'll see. But... To sum up our intro. <laughs> Just sum it up. <laughs> Nothing happened. <laughs> nothing. Yeah. I spilled. There was no so water much. on a laptop. There was nothing happened. We're just seamlessly continuing through our episode. Yeah. Nothing happened. <laughs> nothing. It, it certainly wasn't that two laptops were stacked on top of each other and then water was spilt on both of those things. But no, that didn't happen, Maria. No. 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 No, we're better than that. <laughs> we're audio we professionals. Women. I would know so much better than to have multiple liquids just around. Oh, I know. Girl, you that. always got multiple <laughs> liquids around. <laughs> what a kind. Oh, what a cute. kind thing for a friend to say. Wow. That's really kind. You're the Nina to my Cassie, or I'm the. Am I, oh, you're the Nina to my Cassie. <laughs> Oh, great. I'm so happy to hear that. <laughs> like, girl, yeah. I already know you show up. Like, you already fended off a rapist. You don't even oh, know. my God. You got to do, girl. Um, should Jeez. we casually segue into our conversation, though? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So what I was referencing to my rapist was that uh, this time in college when you... Uh, you and I lived together and uh, a man was assaulting me and trying to rape me, I, I would assume. Mm. And you came out of your room um, and spooked him away. You basically chased him out of the apartment and saved, <laughs> like literally saved me from being raped by that person and who knows what else. Um, so thank mm. you. Wonderful. Thank you. Appreciate that still yeah. to this day. Um but yeah, we're just going to, I guess, dive in. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that is, that was our reference to the, 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 the Nina moment. Um, yeah. Nina was someone who was assaulted in the film that we're about to speak about. Yeah. That's a good way to just say, basically, I mean, yeah, we're about to talk about we're about, we're talking about, I guess we're in it. We're talking about it. Um, a, Why inside it? <laughs> you know, a film, like a revenge thriller, co- dark comedy, um, revenge, vengeful best friend um, who is dealing with the trauma of, of uh, her best friend being raped. And then it's heavily implied she commits suicide. Um and both of them, you know, she drops out of med school. They were, they were the whole idea is they were both very promising young women, hence mm-hmm. the title. Um, and it's really, we're going to just briefly talk about the film uh, without spoiling it. Um, and then we're going to have a much longer conversation because it's really hard to talk about the film like as a whole without yeah, without giving end. away anything that happens or, you know, certain, yeah. certain, yeah, certain things that happen along the way. So we'll talk about it sort of generally before we get into it at large, because we need to get into it. And it is just 
I'm so glad that this uh, the story was told. Um, but in terms of what we can talk about before spoiler alert territory, um, I mean it's God. How do you? <laughs> it's basically a a journey into um, how women are sexually assaulted and violated and raped and all of these things at the hands of men who um, proclaim to be better, I guess. Um, and there's yeah more to get into on all of that, but it's a movie I have never seen done in this way. I've seen the themes addressed. I've seen the stories addressed, but to actually have this story told as a story to tell um, meant, I know it meant a lot to me as just like a human woman who's been assaulted. Like I think most human women have been, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Um, and having to have dealt with friends of men who have committed such acts and having to navigate the world as a result of such acts. Um, It was one of those movies that I was so glad to see existed, but at the same time watching it was very difficult and brought back a lot of shit and made me wonder like, do men now care about this? Or is it in vogue? Will men ever care about this? Mm-hmm. Um, but regardless of the answers to those two questions, I am really, really, really glad that this movie exists because it explores something that is so tragically common to women um, in a way that I've never seen explored before in film, um, mm-hmm. which is kind of bonkers considering how uh, common it is for women to experience versions of what has happened in this movie. Um, but at the same time, yeah, I'm very, very glad this movie exists because it's, I really just want straight white men to watch this movie and like break out into discussion groups about it. Yeah. Like, and it, like truly that's, I, I really want that to happen because I think that it is a story that should make men who are attracted to women ask themselves a lot of questions. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. And they, you know, ask, ask, ask yourselves the questions, you know, I think a big thing that came out of the Me Too movement, at least for me, was um, a phrase that I just wish I had known about when I was in high school and college called like enthusiastic consent. Um, Uh, Yeah. I think that that would have been a really empowering phrase to have known about and thought about and understood a little bit more um, Mm -hmm. because this is like absolutely aiming it has you know in its crosshairs the uh many different types of self-proclaimed nice guys uh, uh so many types oh so many and they <laughs> and do you and i so have well. both been with probably they've all of been them in, at this yeah point. they've all been inside us <laughs> yeah i mean that they the yeah I mean, there were so many. Yeah, different... I don't say that flippantly. It sounds very flippant, but I don't mean it that way. <laughs> like... Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, the it's so interesting the way that they sort of start the movie off and 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 
the danger that you feel that Carrie Mulligan, as her, her character's name is Cassie, the danger that you are feeling for Cassie kind of is always, it, it's right off the bat. You're like, she feels, she she's someone who um, is put, like knowingly, because she's enacting this 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 vengeance on behalf of her best friend and reliving essentially like kind of reliving a trauma over and over again or a, mm-hmm. um she's putting herself in these situations where guys who genuinely in their minds have convinced themselves of this farce that they are a nice guy and that they're helping her and they help her in increments all the way to an assault, like by them at their hands. And it could not be more realistic to me, more believable. The, the, the incremental ways in which, um, that happens as with a lot of things it's like assaults aren't just like random guys in the and at dark alleyways it's like yeah, the it's nice not, guy <laughs> yeah it's the quote-unquote nice guy it's not this guy you've never met in an alley with like a blade on his hand and i thought it was a really brilliant choice to have like adam brody mm-hmm. play the first one and have the guy who was like mclovin play another yeah. one and have it be these these men and these characters that we have on one hand like grown to know and love and trust through mm-hmm. other film and on the other hand like have been shown to us to be like oh I'm just a nice guy you mm-hmm. know and apparently there were director notes to these men to be to act as if they were in a rom-com mm-hmm. which I have found to be incredibly <laughs> interesting and incredibly on point to see that because you see people and and one thing that really like there's so many things that stuck with me and jarred with me and jarred with me as if I'm Jar Jar Banks, but so many things <laughs> that jar jarred with me um, throughout this this film uh, that just kind of reckoned back to to certain times in my life and certain experiences and um, and seeing these these people that we're supposed to believe are. Exactly, like nice, nice guys, the Adam mm-hmm. Brodies, this, that, and how often they would, like the one, one of the things that just like gutted me was the way in which they would say, you're so pretty. Mm-hmm. You're so pretty as they were assaulting this woman or trying to assault this woman. Oh, you're so, oh, you're so beautiful. Oh, you're so pretty. Yeah. Because I feel like often that is a way that men who are predators who don't realize they're predators interact with women to make women feel safe and valued and to make themselves feel as if they are being again nice guys good guys they're not trying to assault a woman here they're telling her how pretty she is and they want to kiss her and they want to do this they want to do that um and yeah spoiler alert this uh her character acts like she's drunk when she's not really drunk to essentially teach men lessons so when i was going into this movie i thought she was killing them which i was all for she doesn't even kill them she doesn't kill them at all she doesn't hurt them like physically which is good Mm -hmm. i guess but she's really about just like teaching lessons and and the way in which men respond when she sobers up Mm -hmm. after they think that they have sort of captured a drunken woman you know to Mm -hmm. to take home and to fuck and to do what they want with and it's fine they're nice guys you know um God, this this the journey of watching and experiencing this film was like 
being in a time machine back to (laughs) dating, back to college, back to high school, just this idea of men not owning you, but men treating you how they want to treat you and convincing you and them that they are the good guy and that they are this and they are that. When in reality, so often, these are really, really shitty people taking advantage of women and treating women like objects to get what they want and what they need out of the situation. Mm-hmm. Um, and we don't, and we still, even with me too, and with, you know, ideally the, this, this idea that we're moving forward in terms of women's rights and, and all of this, it's like, we still live in a world where, you know, I think you and I both resonated deeply with every, I mean, at least I can say with like every single fucking storyline that this woman had with different men, you know, mm-hmm. and you have the, you have the more obvious, the more obvious quote unquote villains, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and then you, are we getting into the spoilers now? I feel like we've already. Um, I guess. Yeah. Well, from this point forward, <laughs> we kind of, we, you know, no, we had, we hadn't quite. So from this point forward, if you, I would, I would really, let's just say, I would really encourage anyone who's listening to this. If you haven't seen the movie to just pause and go watch it because yeah. it's a fir- it's first time director, a female director, Emerald Fennell, who was Camilla Parker Bowles in the crown. She was, it was an amazing directorial debut. It was uh, just, it's, it's, it's something where it's going to be like $20 on YouTube or Amazon or wherever you're going to find yeah. it, but it's absolutely worth it. Like if you were going to spend that on Postmates, spend it on this movie. That's, that's the quick pitch. Uh, and then come back and listen to this. Cause you really, if you have even a thought that you're going to see it, you do not want to know what's, you don't want it to be spoiled. No, go and watch the movie. Honestly, like it is worth watching. You and I both paid the monies for it, <laughs> um, which is, you know, it's not cheap. But at the same time, when you think about what you paid before to go see a movie, yeah, um, with all the snacks and whatever, <laughs> you can get some cheaper snacks. Go get some. Pop a bottle of wine. That, yeah, you know, maybe help. Pop all the bottles of wine. <laughs> um, but. I think one thing we should talk about is the the character of Ryan, mm-hmm. um, who is Carrie Mulligan's, I guess, boyfriend for for periods of the film. And I think that his role in particular was <sighs> super <laughs> on point and super upsetting to to play it down. Um, I mean, we have these different sort of cast of characters coming in and, and we see the ways in which they are flawed and the ways in which, you know, they're trying and whatever, like with Adam Brody, but Oh, my stars, this Ryan character who's played by Bo Burnham incredibly well. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's interesting. There are way more interviews with Bo Burnham than with Carrie Mulligan about this movie, <laughs> <laughs> which is crazy. It's almost like people care more about like what men have to say versus women, even when like the whole point of the film is about like a woman and her experiences. But yeah, either way, directed by a woman and yeah. yeah, either way, Bo Burnham does a great job at it. Um, but it's like we're introduced to him and in the beginning not the the very 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 beginning of the film but pretty early on and it's like it's clear like oh he's like 
going to be like the nice boyfriend and do this. And I, I was watching with my, my husband, I suppose. And I, and he was thinking like, Oh, this character's the good guy. And the second he came on screen, I was like, uh, <laughs> he's going to hurt her deeply. He's going to like, I, before it even happened, I was like, he, Oh, he knows these people from her past. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's going to be part of something really fucked up. He is going to have been a part of what she is trying to escape or he is going to say it's not a big deal or he's not going to understand. Like, mm-hmm. it was clear to me and probably you from second one that, like, this guy was not as as fun, as nice, and as much as, like, you and I both would have fucked him in our single years. Um <laughs> Or at least not to speak for you. No, I think it's safe to say. Yeah, I think it's safe to say. Um, <laughs> but regardless of all these things, um, you know, we 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 see how it is playing out, and we see how this character is not this perfect, wonderful guy. Like he is the example that so many of us have seen of this person who thinks that they are, who thinks that they're above it all, who who like maybe has friends who they're like, oh, well, I don't subscribe to their beliefs. You know, like they're a bunch of shitheads, right? Mm -hmm. Um, The sort of excuser of their friend's behavior. And, you know, sometimes, you you know, you want to believe, I guess, with this character, like, sure, that's, that's what's happening. He's, He's more evolved than his friends, but he's known them forever. What's a guy to do? And then you find out like he is no better than any of them. He participated and didn't even remember participating in the abuse of her friend, mm-hmm. um, which I think, I mean, that in and of itself, I just want men to like hold and sit with for the rest of their lives. The idea that like you could witness or could have, or maybe did witness a rape or an assault and it didn't impact you in any way that would make you remember it or care about it. Or you'd see it and be like, Oh yeah, that did happen. But it doesn't, it doesn't hold that weight to you. Um, And so I thought that was really, really powerful to see sort of in a, I mean, everything that that happened in this movie was, I think, incredibly powerful. Just see it being expressed in a film um, in a way I've never seen before, Um, particularly the way that they they don't just let it be like, oh, yes, this is the hero. This is the the boyfriend who's going to save her from all her troubles. It's like, no, he's a guilty party, too. And again, I think you and I both, <laughs> we saw him and we're just like, OK, yeah, you're going to fu- you're going to do something like exactly what you did wrong. And then even in her death, again, spoiler alert, but we're past that. But even her death, he doesn't stand up for her he stands up for his buddies and the status quo and he is such a coward and i i think that resonated with me deeply this idea that even that there are these men in our lives that we we love and we trust and we can think x y or z but when push comes to shove like what would really happen 
you know, yeah. would they be for there for us? Or, and this is not me speaking about my own, <laughs> just sort of a, a larger question of like, would they be there for us? Or would they take the easy route because there's no one there to hold them accountable anymore? Um, well, and both of us have had situations which weren't even like, you know, I, I think a lot of a lot of assaults and betrayals of trust happen um, on a spectrum for women. It's like a, lots of lots of places that can land on the spectrum. And mm-hmm. both of us have had incidents where something happened and we confided in friends, including. And I, I love that this that what this film does, too, is it, it it women are also part of the cycle of 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 abuse and mm-hmm. of cover ups. And we're absolutely and we can get into that. Like we're you know, women are culpable in these th- in these situations and in fact heavily contribute in certain Alison Brie. Yeah. What a great little casting turn for her. But the disappointment and and the way that that kind of that betrayal and that abandonment from friends. Um, I, one time this guy told me somewhere in the middle lies the truth as a way to just like absolve himself of, of of being a part of it at all, or having to stand up against a friend who I'm, I was sure he knew. I knew he believed me, but I, I felt like he didn't, you know, want to be responsible socially for like kicking this guy out the offender yeah. out he of believed the you but it wasn't a big enough deal to him no to so on. the somewhere in the middle lies the truth was such a slap in the face and so um anyway it, it was it it felt very kind of like bo burnham and very kind of um like when push comes to shove who, who when will you actually take a stand and how do you respond when women try you know also like again because because especially in the early 2000s, early aughts. I mean, even as things were evolving, like the language of trying to describe a traumatic event, um, I think is like, we're only now starting to try to Mm -hmm. get better at that. But the way that these stories come out when friends try to explain them to each other, sometimes it's like awkwardly over like a lunch that, you know, no one's expecting to hear like, oh, uh, that was an assault that you're like, you know, they tumble, the words tumble out or they are, these stories are communicated in weird ways because we don't know how to tell them. We don't know how to communicate them in a lot of ways, in a lot of instances. And it's very vulnerable to have to put yourself in a space where you're confiding something that's so scary and embarrassing or traumatic or whatever, you know, whatever amount of words and awful fog you're in you're trying to communicate it to someone who you want support from and not getting that support and in fact getting feeling ostracized or feeling like you're crazy or responsible for Mm -hmm. this is it stays with you for years yeah for mabes ever and it's like i i think perhaps we're living in a time where certain men think, oh, well, now Me Too has happened, so lay it on the line, sister. (laughs) But, I mean, I I can only speak for myself, but there's been so much I've gone through in my life in terms of um, experiences with people who are men and being, you know, abused in, in various ways and now we're in the me too movement right and i think that certain people that treated me certain ways would not do so today i do not think that is because their hearts and minds are different i think it's because there's a different cultural environment and it's not cool anymore 
to treat women a certain way, which I have mixed feelings, you know, about. I mean, of course, it should never be okay to treat women that way, and it should not be cool. The cool thing should be to respect women's feelings, but I certainly have specific people that, specific men that come to mind when I think about this and when I think about them now being woke warriors because Mm -hmm. they're choosing to... um, they're choosing to publicly validate things that women have been saying for forever. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think we're in this interesting time where I obviously a hundred percent, a million percent support women being heard and these allegations being taken seriously and that we care at all. Right. But at the same time, it's like, I wonder how many how many of the men that say that they care now actually care and how many of them are trying to get a different kind of point, you know, they're trying to get like points with women by being woke or by being this and by being that. And that's certainly like a cynical view to a, to a certain extent, but I, yeah, this, this, this movie, man. (laughs) (laughs) It's so, it is. I feel like the, it's an overused term being like, oh, it's so subversive. But this movie actually is subversive. It keeps you the way that um, basically you you can't even decide what genre you're watching. You know, at mm-hmm. certain points, it seems like a rom-com. It's a it's a revenge thriller. It's like it, cerebral. I don't know. It, it, there's lots of different places where you're kind of you would believe that Carrie Mulligan's character would do absolutely anything, really anything that the movie because you're or at least as I was watching, I was thinking like I, it would be believable to me if she murdered these men. And I mm-hmm. loved the way they played with that. It would be believable, you know, whatever she was doing, I was believing. And mm-hmm. the way that they cut the story into five parts um, and the way that the the decision, I mean, should we get into the end just because like, let's get into it. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I mean, I, first of all, the choice for the instrumental of toxic was could not have been better placed. Oh, and I want to write a thesis on stars are blind by Paris Hilton being incorporated and like the reclaiming of pop and the reclaiming of this formerly known as frivolous uh, music and aesthetic that I've always loved. I also like just like sidebar really enjoyed that being taken seriously and that being seen as a different coat of arms yeah you know it's like this femme bright pink energy is is showing something that it hasn't shown before because it's never been given the opportunity to so I loved I fucking loved that because I've never seen a movie do that before in that way yeah, and like um, bubblegum pink coupled with like the power of of what she was doing, like the power of the punch. Yes, basically. exactly. It was just like, thank you, God. Yes, can we can we see that certain colors and certain songs and certain things are not weakness just because they're pop or because they're identified as femme? You know. Yeah that I really, really, really enjoyed about this movie. Like it took pop and made it dangerous. Yeah. Uh, And that was pretty, pretty cool. Pretty cool beans. Well, I mean, and 
um, the director said that she sent Carrie Mulligan when she was asking Carrie Mulligan if she wanted to do this. She sent her the script. She sent her a vision board that she said had the pastel blues and greens and like this bubblegum aesthetic. And then mm-hmm. a playlist, which had, she said it had toxic on there twice. And she said like, because I wanted Carrie to understand essentially the way that you're reading the script is it's not going to look the way that it reads, you know, it's, Mm -hmm. there's this completely different vibe that's paired with it. And you just need to kind of, I want you to understand this, the, the visual um, energy that I'm going to have going on and the audio energy. Mm I, I thought that that was brilliant. Like, so she's kind of, and coming at the casting, she has decided on including a lot of comedians, you know, I mean, yeah. Like everywhere, Bo Burnham is a comedian, Jennifer Coolidge, like Molly Shannon, mm-hmm. um, Allison Brie has comedy, and then just and and the guy from Veep and Christopher Mans Plus, but then deploying amazing actors who have one scene was such a power move. Alfred Molina as that like tortured lawyer and oh, Honey Britton. So good. Oh my god, I, I'm still just sort of like I'm yeah I'm. I'm so stunned by it. <laughs> like, yeah, it was incredibly. I mean, all, what what slapped me in the face initially was the the themes and what the story was, and seeing something reflected in film that I have never seen reflected in film ever before. And then on top of that, you have like you said, these amazing, amazing performances. Mm-hmm. Um, these amazing, you know, acts of, of actorship, I suppose. Yeah. They would say. Um, but no, it was a, on top of being something that I think everyone needs to see, particularly men who are attracted to women, I think it, it was also just an incredibly well done movie in the way that I love it the most, which is just like strong characters and like amazing acting, you know, that's yeah. what I'm here for. And that was definitely there in spades, but yeah, just seeing the story being told um, and the way it was told and with the actors that they used and that, that were chosen by, you know, it was, it was so, it, it was so intentional, mm-hmm. you know, this movie and at this, I mean, it was it was such a representation of so many things that have that we have seen and that we have been through, and you know, there have been stories that have touched on rape or assault or what it's like to be a woman in the world. But I have never seen a movie touch on this particular facet of being a human woman in the way that this this movie did, and the the heartbreak that that goes with you know, sexual assault and, and the feelings that go with that and with losing the friend, the male friends that are part of that, as well as this, this feeling of wanting to and needing to protect your, your female friends, you know, your, the women in your life and, and knowing what is out there and also knowing and understanding that like, by and large, people are not going to know and understand what you're talking about when you've lived through and, I think something that really resonated and was really important to me about this movie was was the thought that people will 
like we are now maybe at a point in history where these films will be talked about and will resonate. And, and this movie was made, you know, mm-hmm. with an with this cast of, um, you know, Carrie Mulligan and these famous comedians. And and it was a story that people felt was worth telling. And I'm really, really, really glad that, that happened because I think that more than us talking about it, I feel like men need to be watching and talking about this fucking movie because it was painful at times to watch. And I still don't know if it's like, if my husband fully understood everything that was happening in that movie and what it meant and what it, you know. So I think having having the opportunity to tell, actually tell women's stories in a way that they haven't been told before. Um, you know, granted it was a very, very depressing movie in a lot of ways, but at the same time, I'm just so glad that that story is being told now, finally. Yeah. It's, um, I, I heard, uh, someone wrote about it recently and the, the phrase that they used in terms of Carrie Mulligan's character was someone who was careening towards self-immolation. Um, and I think that that's so appropriate, um, because I think it's, I think it is right. I think it's ultimately right, but I think it's sad because there was, it was not so obvious. There was a, there was a nuance and in her life where, for instance, she was, I mean, this movie is pro forgiveness and mm-hmm. pro redemption. And yeah. there was a moment where, of course, I mean, because we all were all savvy moviegoers, I think like mm-hmm. most people probably realize it's way too soon in the movie for there to be like a floofy ending. There was like a very um, sort of, I think the whole point of it was to have it be kind of the sappy montage that's supposed to gesture t- lovingly towards like rom-coms. Um, but you know that the, you know, that it's certainly this like love moment between her and Bo Burnham is, is not gonna, this is not where it's going to end or land, but the idea was that like it could have, if she had found, you know, she was, oh, she was going to be able to move on that could have been something for her if a certain situation hadn't manifested the way it did. Like she was trying to grow and trying to move on as the mother or her best friend's mom said. And they had that incredibly poignant dinner with her parents. And the dad said, we miss, we miss Nina. We miss her. We thought of her as a daughter, but God, we miss you. We missed you too. And that was fucking heartbreaking like there 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 was so i think that the film was so loving with its protagonist who by the way you know it's not like we're supposed to excuse or think that everything that she did was was good or necessarily get behind everything every decision she made but this character uh is someone who was lovingly constructed by the director and, and, and her friendship, the way that the seriousness, the gravity that they treated that, that friendship between these two women um, and the loss and the, and then went so that when you get to that final, when you get to the, the climax scene where she is confronting her friend's rapist, um, it's all the more heartbreaking because while we always knew this was about her friend and about the the guilt and the and the rage of her not being able to s- have been there to save her friend from this situation um 
when she actually says, you know, this is it, it, it all gets started. Like the, the, the reveal happens because she says her name, basically this, this, mm-hmm. the, the dead girl's name, you know, and, it, and suddenly everything is as serious as a heart attack. And you realize, and, and I, th- I just, I, the second time I watched it, I thought, thought that that was a really, I, it made the whole scene about Carrie and Nina, the whole, or Cassie and Nina. And so that when she finally, when she does get murdered, um, which is almost a three minute death scene. Like I yeah, timed which, it. Which I'm also, I mean, I hated watching it, but I'm glad that they did that because I feel like so often they gloss over these scenes where women are strangled or suffocated to death without, mm-hmm. I mean, the fact that they spent the time on that and showed you like this is how long it takes to do this to somebody else mm-hmm. you know I, fe- I feel like it, it it gives even more as if people need more reason to think that men are awful when they do this but it's just like when you do this to it takes several minutes and showing her fighting back and him this hand on the wrist and he's a doctor and so it's like it seemed like he was kind of like grasping the pulse mm-hmm. and I, which i also thought was a brilliant choice to make them doctors make ryan a fucking pediatric surgeon yeah because like i think sometimes we think oh you're a doctor you're a wonderful human being it's like no a lot of times you're just like an egotistical piece of shit <laughs> yeah dude yeah. like this is what you no shade to doctors obviously but like <laughs> I thought that that was an an interesting direction to go to, to make these, these men that are, that we know to be awful human beings. It's like they made every effort to make it harder to see who they were because that's how it is in real life. Because you have everyone on the other side. I mean, any, any person could assault you and, and hurt you and you'd have, everyone defending that person. Um, Mm -hmm. Oh, he's a doctor or he's this, or he's that, or you were too drunk or you were this, or you were that. And I think that that was a strong choice to make these men doctors and professionals in that way. Mm -hmm. Um, Particularly Ryan's character um, to make him a pediatric surgeon. It's like, ah, yeah. And and to know that if, if she had not, um, you know, planned for her own death, that her death would have gone, you know, unknown, unavenged, they would have assumed she had just run off. Yeah. Um, And the person who claimed to love her was all too willing to let that just, mm -hmm, just forget her. Exactly. (laughs) And the thing about Ryan is (laughs) he's every man. No, but it's, (laughs) it's just like seeing their like rom-com story and him literally telling her that he's falling in love with her that he loves her and then her confronting him of course the video and then after that when she dies and mm-hmm. he knows where she went mm-hmm. and it could have been his redemption and of course you and I knew it was going to be but like it could have been yeah in terms of the film plot um and it wasn't he was he was too cowardly he couldn't do it mm-hmm. um because men in the boys club and you know it's like the the person that killed her in the like she was threatening to to carve the name of the woman that he had raped into Mm -hmm. his skin that was her threat she wasn't threatening to kill him and he murdered her um and we saw that over three minutes and um 
God. And then we were stuck. We were stuck. And it truly felt like an absolutely jarring, horrendous move to be stuck with his perspective. Like, no, I don't want that. Let me have her. When it, when they just went and they, they moved to the daylight and suddenly you're like, Oh my fucking God, I can't believe I am in this room and she's not alive in it. Like, yeah. It's a lot more realistic. Oh, oh. And then, so to say, and because, I mean, the part where I started actually crying, like burst into tears, it wasn't, I was stunned through the murder scene. I was like, my jaw was dropped and I was just sort of cold and like, I, not in disbelief, kind of like I was saying, my, my boyfriend was like, she's, she's going to she's going to get back up or like, she's going to fight her way out of this. And that you and I were like, like, Nope, this is real life. (laughs) This is a, yeah, I can do. She's she's, how it happens in real life. She's dead. She's dead. Um, but as they burn her body, um, her arm, her arm is out. The choice that they made with the music was when I burst into tears because they chose something wonderful from Rogers and Hammerstein's the King and I, which I love. And I think a lot of people, I mean, it was a total reimagining of this song that is supposed to be, I mean, it's, it's appropriate. Um, I mean, some of the lyrics are basically like, um, this is a man who stumbles and falls, but this, uh, but this is a man who tries, this is a man you'll forgive and forgive and help protect as long as you live. Um, he will not always say what you would have him say, but now and then he'll do something wonderful um it's just I mean I started crying and then I basically like screamed at the tv how dare you I mean in in like the best but in the best way like I will never think about that song the same way and I thank the movie for that I will still love the song but I I need to know from Emerald Fennell and I will like try to find some Q and a where I can like ask her. I want to know like every single detail about why she chose that song because it was, I just didn't think I could be more gutted in the situation. And Ooh. that choice was just so perfect. Um, oh, yeah. A lot of oh. really, I mean, good, but like a lot of really, really, really powerful artistic choices. In this movie mm-hmm. too. Um, it's almost as if like women can do stuff. like. <laughs> and I think my big fear out of, out of all of it and out of the film and out of how deeply impacted I was by it is the fear that men can watch it and not get it or not feel things or not. Mm. And it's like, I don't have evidence to point to on this or that. It's just this, this feeling like, well, well, what will it take for men to understand the weight that women carry of, of assault, of rape, of, of witnessing their, you know, of all of these things. Um, what does it take? Because it's, it was a, it was a film that I think is incredibly important. That was incredibly cathartic to be, be a part of watching honestly like it, it it was hard to watch but it, it felt good to watch at the same time it felt like my own ex- and I feel like a lot of women probably could this way it felt like my own experiences were being validated in front of me mm-hmm. um and I just I hate the feeling that there will be men out there who just still won't won't get it 
won't try to get it, you know, don't want to see the movie. If they do see the movie again, won't get it. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that is the sort of the biggest challenge for me of the film. It's not getting past the, the trauma that, you know, we relive by watching it. It's not, it's not getting past that. It's getting past the idea that, you and I can watch this film and feel these viscerally, viscerally, viscerally awful feelings due in part to the things that we've already gone through at the hands of men Mm -hmm. and that a man can watch it and see it as a movie or not even want to finish it and and walk away from it and not carry any weight with him. Um, And I think that for me is the biggest sort of, uh, <laughs> about it yeah. all is just like the idea that no matter how 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 well we tell our stories um how much we try to get our stories across and, and try to really articulate the, the the depth of pain that is felt when men treat us as disposable or as sex objects or as this or that no matter how deeply we feel it, it doesn't matter because men will not take it seriously, you know? And again, I don't have any like data to back this up on. It's mm-hmm. just this, this sort of depressing feeling, you know, where it's like, <laughs> I, I take so much from this movie and just, yeah. and just knowing that there are going to be men who just see it and like, Oh, get over it. Or Carrie Mulligan's not hot enough to be raped or let, you know, yeah, like that kind of, that kind of takeaway, which I feel like is just, well, running rampant. I mean, there are always going to be those <laughs> film guys, those, I mean, there, there are like those Christopher Mintz classes, you know, like mm-hmm. it's a gritty romance takes place in New York. And yeah. I don't, I'm not going to talk about it cause I don't want to jinx it. You know, it's like, fuck yeah. you. I mean, but, but, and I think that, so that's definitely a legitimate fear, but it's like, we, I hope that this is a movie that's a slow burn because it you know it was supposed to come out last April. It was a Sundance hit, but like not it just came out last weekend. And I hope through word of mouth it really does um spread like wildfire and mm-hmm. so that so that so that women can can have the cathartic experience of watching it and and perhaps more men will see those scenes, like the first few specifically, mm-hmm. and understand the conversation that is around Me Too that is about enthusiastic consent. It's about not taking advantage of someone who is technically breathing and has her eyes open. Right. You know? She can consent legally and sign the dotted line, you know, it's like, mm. and so that you think that like so many guys have convinced themselves that this is actually okay behavior. And in fact, that they were the mm-hmm. nice guy, but like marching themselves right up to an assault situation. Um, but uh, I, in that I, moment, I, Oh, sorry. oh no, no, wait. when yeah. when Ryan when Bo Burnham's character says as if you're perfect or something like that to her oh yeah that oh my too, god because I feel like that is you know we talk about the the depths of of feeling that these kinds of um, movies and by and larger than that experiences that we've had mm-hmm. um, culminate in in certain <laughs> lifelong. <laughs> Um, situations that we're dealing with and and to see that reflected I feel like that is probably um, how many how many men feel about it where it's like yeah well I'm not perfect neither are you but it's like yeah but there's a difference between 
you know, maybe her character being, if she was rude or if she did this or that and being a sexual predator and what that takes, like, I, I just don't know what it will take for men to understand that it takes something from you mm-hmm. when you are sexually assaulted, when you are treated like all you have is your body. And even then it's a weapon against you, you know? Um, so that moment when Bo Burnham's character was just like, well, you're not perfect or whatever yeah. he said. I was just like, Ooh. Yeah. Thanks. Oh, yeah. I, <laughs> Another thing that this made me think about, which I haven't had this specific fantasy in a while, but... Tell me more, tell me more. (laughs) (laughs) Well, no, I mean, it was in the wake of, and you kind of touched on this as we kicked off this discussion, but (laughs) I did for a while have some pretty, just like, you know, I would sort of daydream, I suppose. It's not really like a fantasy, but I would daydream that, you know, I could get back at the guy who assaulted you in our apartment. Um, Mm -hmm. because that'd be great. I don't even know his name. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know if I could, I don't know if I could pick him out of the lineup now, which kind of frustrates me. I, mm-hmm. I might be able to though. And I, and I like to think that I could, if I saw him and I don't know that what this, what one thing that this movie has, you know, like, because it, it brings up, obviously, I mean, the things that are just kind of a part of us, a part of our experiences mm-hmm. is like, you know, what, what would I do if I saw him today? And like, what would, you know, what would any of us do if we were faced with someone who threatened or hurt, harmed our best friends? Um, and, you know, I don't know. I'm sure. I, I think I worry that I would, that it would be a cowardice situation where it's like, well, I don't, you know, I don't I know. doubt that <laughs> I will. I mean, when when the shit hit the fan and I was struggling with this person, you were not <laughs> running away. You literally bust open the door to your room and like scared him out of our apartment. So I don't think <laughs> you have anything to worry about in terms of uh, you being there when you're needed. You know, like you quite literally chased this grown man out of our apartment. <laughs> Um, who again, yeah, I don't, I don't think I could pick him out of the lineup. I know it was, I carried, I carried my keys differently. I carried knives in my bag and I was just generally afraid of white men with scruff, um, which is hilarious if you know me well, because it's also half of who I fucked in my life. Um, but no, definitely after that experience, I was, um, I was just af- afraid of of white men generally, which I still am. But yeah, no, you were you were a little champ. You're a little beast, girl. <laughs> well, it was you know I think like you say these experiences they take something from you and or or maybe you know from if we're being positive they give something to you. Maybe they yeah. they well, and I hope that you know that you're like a brave motherfucker. Like you're not a coward. Like there was a man who I am bigger than you. (laughs) I have, I have several inches on you. And there was a man who had several inches, if not feet on me, I was trying to fight off for, I don't know how many minutes at this point, but you 
being smaller than both of us came out and in in the service of trying to protect me you know it was you were trying to scare him off but like you were you were the smallest person in the room and you did that so (laughs) I don't think you need to worry about being brave or not because you're clearly your little bulldog baby (laughs) (laughs) oh fuck that guy yeah. A, a little coda to that story is that he managed to also call me fat. Oh, he <laughs> did. Yes. Yeah. He while assaulted me. <laughs> he uh, criticized your weight <laughs> while getting the name of Weight Watchers wrong. So got it was the, a yeah. real, that motherfucker. real moment for him. Yeah. It's not called Weight Trimmers, you dipshit. Yeah, I guess it. that's not the. Uh... Yeah, so you need to join Weight Trimmers. Like, you know, you need to join not raping women anonymous. Dude. The, yeah. And is like I still like he I'm sure after me he went on and like hurt women and maybe raped women and and but then YPD was just like not really bothered by it like no. you were my you were my protector <laughs> it wasn't the police it wasn't any man it wasn't any any kind of thing it was just you and that's I think part of what is so moving and wonderful and beautiful about this movie is just like the bond of friendship and what women will do to protect um to protect their friends and to protect those that they care about because we're all each other has (laughs) yeah you know and it's like when shit really hits the fan you see that firsthand you know you you see the ways in which like if I were alone in that apartment maybe I would have been murdered. I don't know. I definitely would have been raped. Maybe he would have killed me. I really have no idea. But the fact that you were there and that you loved me and that you wanted to take care of me the same way that I would have done for you. But that being said, like (laughs) if we weren't there for each other, who knows what would have happened? You know, it's like this idea that we have that women take care of one another while men are just sort of like bamboozling around being idiots <laughs> just like Bruh! yeah it's like no we don't need this <laughs> yeah women take care of one another and the police and ruin everything. take care of no one <laughs> the police tell you that's what uh, we've learned <laughs> yeah the police tell me i shouldn't have gone to that bar with a grainy security camera. grainy security cameras i'm sorry officer i didn't know that the bar <laughs> i went to had grainy security cameras but I you know what that would be that... used against me but now i do thank you sir <laughs> yeah officers of precinct 11 the fact that you know that 13 step has green i'm naming them i'm naming yeah, that name bar i'm naming that. them those motherfuckers um, yeah the fact that you know that 13 step notoriously has grainy footage and you're actually going to weaponize that against the women who are saying we literally have a 45 minute window in which this person definitely walked into this bar Could yeah you try <laughs> and the fact that I had, like, I had literal, I had his actual teeth marks on me, which they commented on. They're like, oh, wow, yeah, you got a black eye and teeth marks. Yeah. With those teeth marks, a fucking dental impression to know who this person was, but they didn't care. And it's like uh, men protecting men for no reason other than men being men. And, and, you know, I somehow came away from that feeling guilty for like drinking in college at a bar (laughs) you know yeah it's just it's insanity and it really I hope it changes but right now I I do feel like we're still at a point where it's like women have to just take care of each other because men are trash and that's uh the 
you know, I'm your Nina, but I live. (laughs) live. Thank God. I mean, that's the thing. Carrie Mulligan is living. Died, but (laughs) yeah, I, I, they both, they both died like two women who you get the, the get, you get the feeling like Nina was a firecracker, her own person. I mean, that moment was so sad when she's describing Nina and saying like, but all she heard was you, your name. And when was the last time you thought of her name? And Oh God, it's so heartbreaking. And I, I, you know, there are so many women whose careers, whose lives have been like irreparably fucked up by this shit. And I do think, you know, I forget if I said this on the pod before recently, cause I've been thinking about it. My brother asked, like we were driving somewhere and he was asking like, you know, he's, a, he's, we're, we're very different Love him. <laughs> he's great. He's, he, yeah, so do I. And I wish I had more of his like lightness and buoyancy and he just has always kind of been like that and he we were chatting and he was sort of he had just seen inside out and was really thinking about like he was sort of like you know formative memories what what were different formative memories for him than for me and why you know how did we kind of go on different different trajectories whereas I'm a little bit of an angry uh biatch um you're not a biatch but I you know part of me it, you it's guys sort had of like, an equal time growing up. Yeah. Same things happened to both <laughs> of you. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, we certainly had the child childhood would, would have been like charmed because we were very lucky in our family. And just so that part was like, yeah, that was the I same. Mean, your parents are. They're the best. <laughs> my dreams. <laughs> Every morning I wake up and I'm not in your parents' house. I <laughs> curse myself. <laughs> where are they (laughs) but I do think that it's sort of obviously it's not really a pleasant thing you know it's like my brother was having this really interest it was an interesting thought pattern of like what makes us two different very different people but I was thinking like well I have a version of a Carrie Mulligan with the wig and the nurse outfit with a little like little exacto knife mm-hmm. in, in me at all times, you know, mm-hmm. and, and most women, like a lot of women do, and you don't, and that's great. I don't want you to, but yeah. we're, we're carrying, we carry things. And I think part of like therapy and growing up and t- trying to move on and have good partnerships with, with great, great boyfriends, great husbands, like fa- strong families and friends, we can, make that little Carrie Mulligan smaller, uh, in us so that we're not, um, plotting out like real revenge fantasies, vengeful avenging angels. Um, but I, I, this movie really like, there's a calming, a calm that kind of comes from being like, you know what, this came from a brilliant brain of this woman, this director, writer, director, it's executed amazingly by, this team Mm -hmm. and it's giving us this like catharsis of like you're not alone and to any any woman who has experienced this type of trauma um yeah it gives value and voice to that which so many of us have have experienced and you know i'm i'm personally a big fan of your brother i think he's um (laughs) the bee's knees as it were uh, a good, my, good one. Oh, i love it a bit so you know i would i would dance with them all day long um <laughs> but i do think that's an interesting point that you made where it's like what as women as women who have experienced certain things 
what every day are we trying to unlearn to be the person that we want to be perceived as, you know, it's like, we all want, none of us want to come across as like a high strung or like <laughs> high maintenance or like un- dealing with trauma. Mm-hmm. Um, but we all are. And it's just about how, how well we fake it. And it's like for people, which is also not to say that you're not to put your brother on the line, but not to say that he hasn't <laughs> gone through hardships in his life. I'm sure he has, but it's when you're worried about, whether you're going to live or not, when you're worried about whether you're going to be raped or not. Um, and when one, when things like that happen to you, it changes you and you build up certain walls and then you feel guilty about it. And you feel like you need to break those walls down because then you're not fun anymore, but you had to build those walls because you were attacked, you know? And so it's this, I think this lifelong struggle of trying to figure out how to be, um, perceived as a a good woman mm-hmm. <laughs> while also being a human being who's going through um the traumas that are inflicted upon you when you are you know when you do date men <laughs> yeah which is just part of the and again not saying all men are bad but like when you date men mm-hmm. you, someone will try to assault or rape you if not successfully they will belittle you they will abuse you like i i'm having a hard time thinking of a single woman in my life who has not been abused to some extent by men mm-hmm. um and that's not me being like oh all men are bad feminazi no it's just the reality of it and yeah women will be able to be carefree and fun <laughs> we don't have to worry about being assaulted and raped by everybody we meet it just sounds like hyperbole but i god i wish we could body swap with dudes for just like a day yeah and they see it and then it'd be like oh right i get it now the yeah there would be a belief a belief i mean i one brilliant thing from the beginning of this movie was Carrie Mulligan staring down oh, those I construction love that. workers. That was so good. Oh my god. Yes, I wrote notes on that. They were they oh. were harassing her and doing the construction worker thing and she just starts she just stops and just stares at them. <laughs> just stares at them and they're like stop staring. What are you staring at? can't take a joke fuck you (laughs) wow that escalated quickly because before you were staring at her and catcalling her and then she just stared at you and you couldn't handle it yeah hmm interesting (sighs) yeah that was quite a quite a beautiful moment to be captured on film just a mirror up to the whole thing i mean this movie is a mirror and that moment was a mirror it was oh and yeah, I mean, we could. Uh, I could talk about this like so many, like, so many details all day. Series on this. We could. Film. I mean, oh it god. Was, uh, seeing seeing that trauma validated, it was just like, uh, yes, give it to yeah. me. Yeah. Um, and for any like, like if you're a guy listening, and you might want you know things to focus on in this like. There are so many details that are so very thoughtfully put in there. Like, oh, do so not good. be watching while you're on your fucking phone. Like, mm-hmm. there are eye rolls. Mm-hmm. There's like Adam Brody pouring her drink like way bigger than Oh, his. so much thicker. It's like, <laughs> I see you, Adam Brody. I've been in your apartment, you little slut. <laughs> <laughs> oh, just, yeah. I, I have 
all so many good things to say about this. And I, I so highly, 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 yeah. highly recommend. men must, must watch and understand that they are not the, um, the heroes in every story and understand the ways in which they have historically hurt women, um, in their own lives. And, uh, the ways in which they can be better, you know, that'd be so good. Mm. Women aren't the punchline, you know, like a dead yeah. stripper. How many, how many times has a dead stripper or like a dead, like, you know, whatever, just shown up in a movie as yeah. like, and then just discarded. <laughs> like that's not, that's not where the story begins or ends. It's, it never has. And um, yeah, women have value. So <laughs> yeah. Check this movie out. Give it $20. Give it it all your monies. Yeah. (laughs) And if you have questions or you want to discuss or you have any, you know, I mean, like I would look for literally any excuse for us to have more conversations about this on the pod. Yeah. Feel free to write us about anything, you know. Yeah, we can pick out even like specific, like next week. Like, all right, now we're talking about <laughs> this aspect of the film. Yeah. Because we are obsessed with the idea that there is a story being told that captures the suffering that we went through. Because <laughs> I kind never thought obsessed. I'd see the day. Never thought. That's what it is. It's this catharsis that like men get with like every story that's told is like, oh, this white man went through a thing. But like we don't get yeah we get to be the punchlines of the dead stripper jokes we don't get to tell the story and so it was incredibly powerful meaningful and all of the things to finally see that reflected it was i hate to use the term empowering um <laughs> sparingly as it as, as just like but it, it did feel empowered watching it honestly i mean i felt yeah. ripped apart but like just seeing seeing your story reflected back at you and knowing that it's the story of so many women is there is a power to that um Mm -hmm. and it meant yeah it meant so much to me to see that and i think we'll probably talk about this movie for a very long time we will we will and i'll be listening to that that playlist with toxic like just oh my god such a good toxic cover and it's raining men just like yes 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 so good. Uh, should we just like scoot right into a good thing? So it's been yeah. eight hours. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. I think that uh good thing is your brother. <laughs> <laughs> he is a good thing. He is I'm, a good thing. We love him. I'm truly I'm so you know, so lucky in my siblings and family and you, you know, I just I'm wish that I could just them. like, I wish I could like, like, a, I mean, a Dementor is like the worst uh, descriptor, but like, just you should be a like a Dementor to your family. Jesus, <laughs> so Maria. Dark. Hey, it's I'll a take, dark episode. All right. I'll take your family without Dementoring them. And I think that'll I be fine with that. And you can just bit, do whatever you need to do. Whatever there. chill. Can I take like just a teensy little portion of everyone's chill and then it's just distributed oh, if to you me? And I could harness your brother's chill. The thing is, you and I could take some of your brother's chill. I mean, you would have chill to last, I don't know, lifetime centuries. <laughs> like, that's the thing. It's like, I no part of me would ever take your brother's chill from him. Uh-huh. No, but I would not want that. No, that would no. break every heart in this world. <laughs> but I would certainly take some of his chill because yeah. he has plenty of chill plenty of chill plenty i could use i could use like a a little yeah and i honestly think both of your parents would be like oh yeah aaron wants to take so much joey's chill that's fine (laughs) (laughs) i feel like they'd be fine with it yeah i feel like joey i feel like they'd all be fine with it yeah i think we should just take some of your brother's chill and then we won't be such harpy women (laughs) 
said about assault and rape. Oh, <laughs> gosh, women. Oh, good, 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 good. Well, yeah, so I, what was the good thing? What was the good thing? Oh, well, I guess, you know, what we could do quickly is I will just go in like one sentence of each of my WCUs just because like they don't need to be fully said, but I I am enraged and it it plays into um, the promising young woman thing. But I was so disappointed in almost all of the news coverage of Phil Spector because it was like, ooh, like talented, but flawed. (laughs) I mean, the BBC literally had a headline, quote, talented but flawed producer dies at 81. It's like he actually was convicted of murdering a woman like in 2009. So talented but flawed, like, isn't like... And obviously you can tell all these, a lot of these people who write these little obits are super interested in his relationship to like Paul McCartney and the wall of sound and like help the Bee Gees. Like, I don't give a shit. Like he's a convicted murderer. I don't want to hear about the wall of sound first. I don't care about the Bee Gees. You're a murderer. (laughs) I mean, I don't even care about the wall of sound generally, but I did. It's like, what the like, don't lead with that. He's a murderer. Anyway, NPR was also guilty. Like, lots of the people who are generally not so bad about this. Anyway, murdered women. Let's say their names first. Um, this asshat Tony Bravo at the San Francisco Chronicle decided to pff, write this fucking article that was like, dear Greta, and he tweeted, they tweeted this part that I, I'm not sure. It feels like it was maybe intentionally um, reduct a reductive take on filmmaking, but whatever. He was like, dear Greta Gerwig, please resist the temptation to cast these like Capitol Hill riots as a coming of age story where Timothy Chalamet and Saoirse Ronan play congressional interns swept up in the chaos and like fall in love or something. And I just wanted to be like, you haven't seen any, anything of Greta Gerwig's. Oh, cause nothing like, and he was like these block, Greta Gerwig blockbuster films. It's like, she has never made one. That was a block. I mean, like little women was, but like, not because of you, you fuck. Um, anyway, like, fuck you. Fuck you. Thank him. Michael Bay, like a Twitter user was like, made the point that Michael Bay is making like a COVID movie, like a COVID like action pack. (laughs) I have not. No, stop it. Like, I have not fact-checked that, but I feel like that's true. Um, I feel uh, it's true, so it must be true. The fact that someone even said it is too much for me to know. I know. That's too much. I just feel like this was such... Greta Gerwig has been overlooked as a filmmaker, yes, and she is, like, an indie darling. But, like, go fuck yourself if you think, like, this is where your attention and anyone's attention needs to be. Anyway, enraging. And then lastly... Fox News settled a lawsuit where they, um, with the family of Seth Rich, that that DNC staffer who Fox News kept fanning the flames that like Hillary murdered him. It was just like such well, a conspiracy. Maria, Hillary's Hillary. murdered a lot of people. <laughs> if you if you check in on Twitter, Hillary's murdered a whole bunch of people. Ugh, Twitter, shocking. Parlor, Gab, yeah. wherever these fucking it's people shocking are. the amount of murders she's gotten away with. It's truly shocking. Like enraging and so they settled this lawsuit but what's really gets my goat is that it was with a stipulation that this not be made public until after the election which is like ew uh, why what did you do why are you doing that just they didn't want to have to face the music that they're not really a news network in any way shape or form at this point and they've unleashed a monster that might be their undoing so Mm. Yeah, which is that part is like a little bit like, mm, let me suckle on my fingers for that <laughs> sweet sugar, that sweet nectar. <laughs> that anyway, nice. those, those are my WCUs. And I just had, 
they were irking me enough that I had to throw them out, out. girl. Yeah. <laughs> I do forget what our uh, good thing was, so. Oh, um, the, you had a thing. Was it the transgender um, woman? Yes. Who, yeah. Um, which I guess, uh, sidebar. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Dr. Uh, Rachel, I think Rachel's her name, Levine. Um, yes. So she was uh, Pennsylvania's physician general and was chosen as assistant health secretary. She's a trans woman and an accomplished regional international speaker and author on the opioid crisis, medical marijuana, adolescent medicine, eating disorders, and LGBTQ medicine. She graduated from Harvard and to, uh, college in the Tulane University School of Medicine. Um, people online, of course, are screaming about it because we're choosing PC choices and the Rainbow Coalition over the most qualified. Um, so I'm wondering, like, what of the things I just mentioned um, do not make somebody qualified? Uh, and this idea that you need to be a, which they don't say, they say the, the quiet part, they don't say the quiet part, I guess. Mm-hmm. But this idea that you need to be like a straight white cis man to be the mm-hmm. qualified party, like this assumption automatically, if that's not who is picked, that it's the Rainbow Coalition or PC police. It's like, yeah. you know what? I think Dr. Rachel Levine is uh, qualified for this position and a transgender woman. Oh my Whoa. God, you can be both. Thanks. Whoa. Yeah. So the thing is, you could be um, qualified for a position and you could be not a white person. You could be not a um, human man. You could be not a cis person, not a straight person and still be qualified. Um, Wow. So, yeah, I know it's like shocking, mind blowing. Um, But yes, Dr. Levine, um, who is making history as the first uh, transgender person to be in that role, um, also Yay. qualified for her position. So uh, old white men by the name of Rick, Roy, <laughs> and Matt can um, put their little paws down, stop uh, screaming at people online, and I don't know, take a walk. That uh, also goes for you, watch- Jeff Hunter yeah. and Yes. Mark. Yes. Not all- Well, we have a friend named Hunter who's very nice. We do. We do. Um, Sorry, Hunter. Virginity- yeah. wow. <laughs> Not also you. Virginity to a Jeff who recently sent me a very nice Instagram message. Um, well, true, true story. We'll talk about that off the air. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. So, uh, yeah, people can be qualified for positions even when they're not white men. Um, so some people might need to chew on that for a minute. Um, really take that to heart, but it is, it is true. Um, we do have a transgender human being in a position of power yay of which they've earned and yeah of which yeah they weren't handed yeah um, i think what i think white men should probably understand that like to be in the positions y'all are in we have to work like a million times harder than you do so like calm down and dr livy also she's a doctor like she's qualified do you remember who was in the administration before someone remind me what betsy devos did someone remind me like no. i don't oh my god everything was being run by a sentient turd and it's almost in the past tense oh the next time uh, these two promising young women are going to be talking to oh, you it's going to oh, be oh. from a biden administration yes yes oh my goodness kamala harris first VP, female vp like oh my gosh i'm so oh my excited God. people caring about things yeah. 
I can't wait. And I love her. I stand her and her husband too. I feel like they've got oh, a, real, mm-hmm. a real bedroom energy. <laughs> <laughs> I do love his whole, like, he's so thrilled to be second gentleman. And I'm so oh, excited. Oh, he's a cutie too. If I were 40, I would sit all over Doug's face for sure. <laughs> can take me to the to the press with that (laughs) certainly I think he's a great guy yeah I was trying to think of like a second gentleman pun for you like to help round it out but I don't I don't know that I I don't need any puns to round it out girl oh oh no gosh she's on fire (laughs) um yeah no I do think he's um I'm like sexually attracted to Kamala Harris's husband. And I think now's the first time I said it out loud. It's probably the last time I'll say it out loud. Um, but I think Doug's a really good guy. And <laughs> this is great. This yeah. Is great. So anyway, um, <laughs> I feel like you'll just throw in these nuggets occasionally so that we know that your husband isn't, hasn't heard this uh pod oh, he hasn't uh, listened in years if he ever has yeah i'm gonna be like you know what my biggest fantasy is three dugs <laughs> every hole plugged by dugs oh my God. it's not but i could say it he'll never know you know um but anyway long story short i do think that doug would be a really nice a nice time in an italian <laughs> restaurant or <laughs> You know, whatever. <laughs> Episode's gone right off the rails. Oh uh, my we god! We started with assault. We ended with I don't know what this is. Doug, Doug. I guess Veronica. me verbally assaulted Doug. <laughs> god, that's not right, is it? Maybe it is. Maybe that's uh, progress. I don't know. But anyway, I respect his marriage, and I'm not like into <laughs> him in a weird way. And now mm. I feel like I need to like back mm-hmm. up and uh <laughs> explain myself but no you don't have to if i were single <laughs> we're single all i'm saying is we would mingle as it were hi to your parents anything else we should discuss <laughs> i think How are you gonna it. even edit this episode i don't know i don't just know. let it fly girl Too i'm gonna need a little play. coffee <laughs> Just said it. You need something. You need a coffee enema. Oh, for goodness sakes. Yeah. Um, well, wonderful time. Wonderful time. Great talk. Um, Great thoughts and prayers to the editor's fingers as well as uh, Doug's fingers. I'm going to carry this through the presidency. Um, my new desire to fuck Doug. <laughs> Until my husband hears from someone I said it, which might be Hunter. 10 years. Yeah, it could be Hunter. It could, it could be, be Hunter. 10 it could be 10 years from now. It could be Duck himself sending a cease and desist. Yeah. I don't know. If I respect their marriage, I'm just talking, you guys. <laughs> I'm just talking. Do like Kristen Wig. Oh my gosh. All right, good night. Good night. I love you deeply. I love you.